0: Hey, welcome to Exact Change, Just the right of Overthinking.
1: We talk about culture, literature, and desperate attempts at structure in quarantine. This is Roberto Rodriguez Estrada. They are a Scorpio. They're a single, lavish, literary heartthrob. And they just finished their first year of a fiction MFA at the University of Virginia.
0: And this is Claire. Um, In her past life, Claire was a master weaver for a great civilization that no one's ever heard of anymore. (laughs) And she is also a fiction MFA at Brown University. um, And she also just finished her last year. Congratulations to both of us. Yay. (laughs) Um, So today we're gonna talk about what we're wearing, what are we wearing in quarantine. We're going to play a little game, the surprise. We're going to discuss um, the phenomenon of Sally Rooney's Normal People, um, both the book and the television show. We're going to review a surprise secret novella, and then we're going to give some tips from the writing life.
1: What are you wearing, Roberto?
0: Um, Today I'm wearing um, uh, this shirt I never wear, which is sort of, it's like half, um, so it's striped and the stripes are pretty thick and white and um, half of it is sort of yellow stripes like marigold and the other stripe, the other side is um, navy blue, navy blue stripes and then I'm wearing white pants. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What are you wearing?
1: I'm wearing black sweatpants. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all, but I'm wearing this like black uh, ribbed Henley shirt and I feel like it, like the shirt makes me feel kind of hot and the yeah. sweatpants can feel hot, but I don't really, I don't know about the combo right now.
0: It's okay. You look good. You look good from what I can see. Cool. Um, yeah it's it's sebald's birthday
1: oh yeah oh my gosh we were discussing that we we would have tagged sebald as a water sign like probably a cancer, cancer. definitely
0: <laughs> turns out he's
1: a Taurus.
0: he's so watery even Are... his, his prose is really watery
1: he does really love ephemera though, which I feel like is like a bit Torian because it's so material oriented.
0: Right. I think there's also a really interesting structure in all his books. Um, he's so, he's like a master of, of structure. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I have, I haven't read one of his books in a really long time. I lent my um copy of my, my college marked up copy to a former lover a few years ago and I never got it back and then we started texting again and he was like I still have the copy of your book like do you want it back and I was like nah bro you can keep it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah little like door prize (laughs) (laughs) I um I feel like you told me in undergrad that your favorite book was Austerlitz
0: yeah. I mean, I I actually, I really wanted to, um, back then I was going to write my undergrad thesis, um, on like historical trauma and novel or, um, yeah, intergenerational trauma and, and the novel. But, um, that was like a bullshit idea, but I was going to talk, I was going to write about Austerlitz just because I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. But
1: <laughs> somebody anyway. else can do their undergraduate thesis on that
0: i'm sure someone else already has i'm sure many people yeah <laughs>
1: um we maybe it's worth saying that we met in undergrad in the in the woods and cornfields of western massachusetts at a little a little place called hampshire
0: college which is on the brink of... Extinction. <laughs> of extinction.
1: <laughs> R.I.P. Um,
0: I know. No, no other college will ever have Easter keg hunt, I which know. is where we hide kegs in the woods on Easter morning and start getting fucked up at like 7 a.m.
1: <laughs> I mean, does that not sound pretty good right now?
0: I would kill to go back to that time.
1: I know, keg stands in the woods, the friends, I've I personally forest.
0: never, <laughs> i personally never done a keg stand. Um, I was, people tried to pressure me into doing it and I was like, back off.
1: <laughs> Good for you. I, I can't remember if I did one on Easter keg hunt, which is maybe a testament to its i i think
0: i one of my regrets is i only went to easter kike hunt twice because i had either like i know the first my first year i didn't go because i was already really hungover from the previous day and i missed the the caravan that went to the forest and i was like i'm not gonna go get lost in the forest looking for people um because no one's even looking at their phones and then my third year i had like an exam for greek the next morning so i had to cram my ass off
1: (laughs) the only person at hampshire taking (laughs) (laughs) break
0: or tests
1: (laughs) yeah cramming um so our next segment is a game it's called truth bowl where roberto and i have each written down tmi questions (laughs) and put them in bowls and uh we're going to trade off asking each other some juicy things um i think i'll i'll start
0: all right i'm nervous
1: (laughs) oh have you ever had sex outdoors if yes where
0: (laughs) oh my god so actually yes i have um i've had sex outdoors a few times and it ended varying levels of it i think um I mean, the, the standout ones are. I once met up with a guy from Grindr um, when I lived in Oakland and like at Lake Merritt um, really late at night and there was no one there. And the guy was like, um, and it, actually it was supposed to be sort of a date situation. I don't think we either of us planned on hooking up. Um, and he was like, yeah, it's so empty because everyone's at Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> um and it was like 11 or midnight already um we were supposed to meet up at the part at a party but the party had closed and, and um it ended and we ended up going meeting there anyway yeah i gave him a blowjob in the at the lake um behind some trees and every once in a while someone would sort of pop up <laughs> and like walk past us <laughs> as like as we took turns took turns sucking each other's dicks um the last time I did it was um with my ex-boyfriend my recent ex-boyfriend we had sex in his front yard um so if his my if my friends who are also his former roommates are listening yeah that was happening we weren't that loud I remember also clearly holding on to the handles of a of this old rusted wheelbarrow as he like plowed me from behind. <laughs> um.
1: What was the front yard like? Was this like a like a white picket fence? Was this like on a main street?
0: Oh my god! No, it wasn't on a main street. Yeah, um, it was sort of in in just like a neighborhood in Oakland. Um, the fences were were pretty tall, tall enough, that, and they were also sort of covered with there was this huge fig tree that got out of control where, um, which dropped like figs everywhere. So you'd sort of walk onto the sidewalk and they were um, there were a bunch of rotting figs all the time because there wasn't enough harvesting being done. Um, but the tree covered us, the fence covered us, <laughs> the night covered us, um, yeah. All right, I'll go next. I don't know if mine are gonna be as TMI as yours. Yours are really good. Um, what would be the gnome de plume for your pulpy romance slash erotic novel?
1: <laughs> Wait, what is the gnome de plume?
0: <laughs> it's your um your your fake name, your writer's
1: oh, name. Oh, <laughs> my pen name.
0: Your pen name.
1: Oh, it would definitely be like some initials. Or it would be my grandmother's name, Gretchen Holly.
0: That's sexy. Yeah, I but what think a next? What if it were like what initials would it be?
1: It would be like. Um,
0: I feel like X V are very erotic letters and could be like <laughs> very definitely. erotic. Yeah, it could be
1: like X V. Uh, and then like a the name of a flower, like X V carnation. <laughs> That's like clearly a pet name. X V Camellia. Though. Camellia, yeah. Azalea. X V Azalea.
0: That's sexy.
1: Okay. I get to go again. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. What's something unexpected that you've masturbated to?
0: Um, oh, that's such an interesting question. Something unexpected that I've—I ma- feel like there have been such random times that I've—I've I've found something, not even masturbated or not something I found hot and masturbated to, but just sort of masturbated while. Well doing something so I feel like um like getting I feel like I've gone horny actually last week I was watching and this isn't even um that unexpected but uh I was watching the Canterbury Tales the adaptation by Pierre Paolo Pazzolini, and <laughs> I had to pause it because I got so horny watching it um and of course there are like gay segments but um Yeah, I mean, what else? I don't know. I feel like I've masturbated listening to some like stupid, like just got bored while listening to like Ariana Grande and masturbating. Um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. My turn again. Let's see. I hope mine is juicy. Um, okay, I just picked one, this one isn't juicy enough. I kind of got <laughs> <enough.
1: laughs> I picked like the two juiciest ones in the bowl <laughs> oh. by accident.
0: <laughs> Background music during sexy times with your beloved.
1: Oh. I remember once um I had like I'd like thought about it and I think I put on um uh oh what are they called uh i put on a band that i was like really into at the time and the person i was having sex with i was like really trying to set the mood and they were like like what the fuck are we listening to <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the year what is um, the year
1: uh this was like pretty it wasn't like that long ago it was like 2018 and okay. it was um no name Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) which like i i mean it's like sort of heavy content but i also was like there's like some some smooth sexy beats happening but the person Uh i was dating at the time was into some pretty like singer songwritery stuff and i i think i just was like
0: they wanted wow. you to be playing, like, Fiona Apple. Literally, yeah, <laughs> Like, totally. Diane Cluck.
1: Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's, like, not the, that's, that's not the mood I'm trying to set here. Um,
0: that's not how you fuck.
1: No way. Period. Yeah, but I also <laughs> find the, like, putting on music to have sex kind of, like, clunky. It's yeah. hard to coordinate.
0: Yeah. I like with my ex-boyfriend we hardly have sex with music playing in the background.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Do we have time for another question?
1: Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. Oh, this one's easy. Copper bottom.
0: <laughs> bottom. Can you like guess from my voice? <laughs> um, okay, a sexy garment you'd like to add to your boudoir.
1: Ooh, good question um i feel like i feel like i really want a harness like i i have some Mm. lace in my in my garments i have some leather in my garments but i personally do not own a harness and i
0: vegan or real leather
1: oh real sorry (laughs) (laughs) but i'm a carnivore and i do (laughs) love me some leather
0: literally i agree um you need a Bane harness have you looked them up
1: no but oh my god they're so sexy and beautiful oh thank you
0: they're like thousands of dollars though
1: oh they're harnesses that like they started out (laughs) they started out
0: really small like a small business and now um like rihanna and like Different people, um, different celebs will sort of wear that shit to the I feel like um what's his name? Who's I who's um Lil Nas? Is that the old time road guy? I think he wore a Donna Bean hardness or someone like that Oh, that
1: makes sense. Rihanna's Instagram lately has been so hot.
0: It's fire always. So beautiful. Um exact change. (laughs) Yeah. This segment is over. all right so we're going to move on to the main topic of our conversation and we're going to talk about um the the novel and the tv adaptation of normal people um which we're not going to hopefully we're not giving any spoilers because people have had time to a read the book and b watch the show it's been and we wanted to talk about something that's really hot right now i know a lot of my friends are are watching it talking about how sexy connell is um and marianne of course she's she's a cutie um but yeah normal people is about um i'm literally just going to read from the the book jacket and, I'm, and i might paraphrase it um but so connell and marianne are sort of two teenagers who who go to the same school and they pretend not to know each other connell is the son of Marianne's family's, um, housekeeper. Um, and he's sort of this hot and like well-adjusted kid who is also really athletic and is a star of the school football team. And, um, she's sort of like taunted at school by his friends, um, for being quote weird. Um, which is so weird because she's actually not that weird. (laughs) Um, Um, she's like really cute and just like normal she's trying to live her fucking life (laughs) Um, but yeah so they um, they kind of um, develop this sort of intimate romance um, behind the scenes which sort of is a secret and private because um, well Connell's afraid of being seen as weird by his friends And Marianne is really subby and it's just like, all right, like, I'll go, I'll let you do whatever you want, baby. Um, and then, uh, so the next year they end up at college together and the dynamics change in the sense that Marianne is now the popular hot rich girl because she's around that sort of wealthy milieu and Connell is sort of on the sidelines as the, the poor boy who ended up at Trinity. Um, And it's sort of about like the, their relationship throughout the years and how it changes and develops and their on and off sort of dynamic. Um, And yeah. So yeah, so why do you think people are so into it? I mean, actually, well, we should start by saying we're really into it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I remember having this kind of like terse relationship with the book when I read it last summer where uh you know, like I'll come right out and say, I read it in two days flat. Which same, I, same. Yeah. Which like I don't often do with a book. That's like, a, it's not super long, but like I noticed it's, clear language i noticed how kind of like clearly it was written and and it was like a page turner it was like pulpy it had tension yeah. it had um romance it was like evocative it was like bringing up memory and at the same time i was like kind of like really rejecting it or like judging my experience of it or my enjoyment of it um, and kind of writing it off as this kind of like popular wave. And then right. when the, the show came out, I feel like it made me re-engage with its content, which kind of asked me to both remember the reasons why I was like really drawn to the narrative but I also it also reminded me of the things that were like complicated about it for me. Um,
0: yeah. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I think um, no, I totally relate to that. I mean, I, I relate to it in the love of the sense of. Um, I mean, I um, I listened to conversation with conversations with friends on audiobook, and at first I couldn't really get into it. I thought it was so. I mean, I really like really rich prose and sort of interesting, um, bizarre sort of fiction. Um, and so it was really weird for me. I, I thought in the beginning I, I kind of put it off. And then just one night I was really sort of stoned and drunk and I um, stayed up all night just binge, binging. I mean, it's not, it wasn't really binging because I didn't purge, but I listened to conversations with friends all throughout, and I was sort of, like, on the edge the whole time and, like, biting my nails off. And, like, I was just so gutted by it. And so, so it was a few months before Normal People came out, so I was really excited. Um, I got it the day it came out. I read it in two days. I was really sad when it was over. I wasn't that – there were things I was critical about um, – but there was just so there's so much I admire about what Sally Rooney is doing in it. I mean, I think on the surface level, it's like the psychological um, rendering of her characters, the sort of the portraits we get of their lives. Um, but I also think on a structural level, the book is doing really interesting things in the, and the novel is sort of um, each chapter is told. It alternates between each of their each of the characters. It's um, it'll be one chapter sort of focuses on Marianne's and perspective in the other on Connell's. And it's also doing, um, and it's all told in first person present, which I think adds this really interesting effect of immediacy and um, which works really well with the sort of content the the themes and, and, the, um, and the relationships and the changes that happen in the characters' lives. I also think um, the not, what I respect, what I really appreciate about the novel too is that, or and about Rooney's prose and style, is that it's so crisp and, uh, and direct, um, while still adding like detail and sensuality. I was reading this um, review by Olivia Lang for um, The New Statesman, and she kind of brings up these two different um, descript- descriptive sentences which are um, one of them is cherries hang on the dark green trees like earrings. And the other is um the air is light with scent, green with chlorophyll. I actually and I I remember that. I feel like the scene, um, I feel like when they go to Italy, for instance, is such a vivid and um and and like colorful and sensory slash sensual part of the book.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's very, like, it's about touch and it's about, like, a sensory experience. And it's also about, like, a loss of words and kind of a when senses are so heightened and there's, like, a lot of kind of, like, failure of language happening and, like, failure of communication and I think
0: that's what makes it so relatable is that failure of communication because you're listening, you're reading it or you're watching it and you're like, you're like, don't say that. Or why did you say that? <laughs> it's like, a <laughs> horror, It's like you know, in a horror film when a character is about to like open a door and you know what's behind that door and you're like, don't go there. Don't do it. Um, and it's sort of that similar effect that she does so well. And that makes it also, I mean, how many of us have sort of, had really poor communication or or just misinterpreted something or, um, or been confused and not known what to say. And so said something that was just completely off and wrong.
1: Yeah. Or heard something and not clarified. And there's like real turning points. There's like real consequences in the book where, um, I think there's just, like, anxiety about um, asking questions and anxiety about being vulnerable, um, which is kind of part of this whole also, like, Irish Catholic context and also, like, class context. um, And also just kind of, like, about high school and, like, social dynamics. Um, Yeah, But I think, like, you and I both felt this um, kind of, like, the uh, ineffectiveness of the breakdown in communication when it came to the kink that is introduced Mm -hmm. into the novel and how that is handled and how that is portrayed and... um, How it kind of sets up this good guy, bad guy narrative or binary between Connell, who is like very gentle and this kind of like protector figure um, at different very key points in the book. But at the same time is kind of disgusted and uh, deeply troubled by the... Um, emergence of Marianne's desire for, uh, like, kink in her sexual dynamics outside of her dynamic with Connell that is, um, kind of drawn in direct parallel with her history of abuse.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. I think. Um, I think I have m- several ideas on on sort of what about this dynamic makes it sort of troublesome and i I, and i think that one of the things is um i think people sort of should be allowed to write about you know abuse and trauma not just allowed but like it's a it's a part of our lives the thing that happens to people um but i do think that as a culture we sort of have come to a point where we fetishize victimhood to the extent where there's a trend in so many novels written by um, not just sort of um, white writers and and white women writers, but also um, queer and um, POC writers where victimhood, abuse, um, trauma sort of being, marred by your history or being um marred by uh by different sort of um power imbalances um whether in family or in society on a on a on a larger institutional level um there's a sense i have where there's a feeling i have that as a culture That's so desirable that writers are falling into this trap of creating characters who, who is sort of um, what makes them interesting is that they are abused um, and violated individuals. Um, And so the misunderstood or the notion that complexity comes from these traumatized histories so that's I mean that's like one point um which you know is like and it's also it relates to this sort of um conversation um that a lot of I know a lot of black and POC and queer writers have about sort of what the white gaze and white audience and white market wants to hear from us which is um Stories about sort of victimhood and trauma, and um, so you get you know the immigration story, or you get the the, I don't know the um, whatever I don't know, I don't need to (laughs) explain what they the sort of narratives that people that that white folks project on um, marginalized communities and identities, or whatever. Um, and I, I, yeah, yeah, so.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree and I I feel like there's also this like way in which the there's a potentially liberatory outlet for Marianne to heal from some of her past in this like newfound sexual desire but at a moment when that is coming up communication decreases instead of increases and um it becomes this kind of like uh re reliving of trauma instead of a uh, a way out of it, and I feel like I'm not involved enough in like a BDSM or kink community to speak super well on this. But I feel like it certainly like uh, takes that content and and kind of incorporates it into this legacy of abuse without recognizing it's kind of like potential for uh growth and like for healing um and for pleasure ultimately Mm -hmm. um and I I think that led me to the question like as this is something that I felt like my high school self was like especially throbbing in response to like some of this love story and I was wondering like and this isn't like a question we should answer but like what would my takeaway be from this book if I was like a teenage person encountering this novel and like right is that is that good <laughs> I guess
0: <coughs> yeah, I think there are two so one thing um is i think i mean as writers, we know this, and I've sort of having listened to and read different interviews with sally rooney something i agree about is like our characters sort of do what they want they do and a really good character of a strong authentic living breathing um horny whatever care desiring character um sort of commands us and and so they will do what they will do um on the other hand i also feel like you know, the the writer does have some control also. And um I think one of the troubling things for me that came out of the novel was sort of this um the compartmentalization of um of good of what you were saying earlier of good and bad. And um so Marianne, throughout the whole novel and the whole show is sort of struggling with what it means to be normal or what it means to be abnormal. Um and she hence the title normal people, but um but she sort of uh, there's two what is uncomplicated about it is that um, the her sexual relationship with Connell is is portrayed as um very intimate and and to a certain extent vanilla <laughs> it's like it's like i mean it's hot and it's sort of beautiful and i'm I'm sure it's how like um people would relate to sex i mean i have so many friends who are like that's that those sex scenes are so true or they feel so realistic to me um but on the other hand um that's the good. And and then when man is sort when I said man, when Marianne is sort of looking to um to sort of self-flagellate and punish herself, she gets into these um really horrible sexual dynamics with different men. Like there's a Jamie um who is sort of this horrible abusive and um just sort of and like vitriolic character. And then there's the guy. Uh, then there's the Norwegian guy, um, Lucas. And yeah, Lucas. Um, and so and so the, those kinks sections are almost supposed mm-hmm. to like serve as sort of symptomatic of um, her quote abnormality and her quote dysfunction, and that's how she internalizes and processes it. Um, and so it's yeah. So she sort of sees herself as deserving of that. She just sees herself as deserving of, like, of, um, of, of that because she sees herself as degenerate and deviant because of, because she's so fucked up or whatever by her history of abuse and her mother telling her whole life that she's sort of deserving of, of men's cruelty and men's, um, the, and their wrath. Um, and, uh, on the other hand, Connell provides this this foil of of goodness, and I mean, Connell's not perfect either. There, you know, there are the parts where, um, at the end, Con, when Connell sort of is responding to, in the aftermath of him sort of uh, rejecting, so called rejecting Marianne and her and her um, when she asks him if if he'll hit her towards in the sort of mm-hmm. climactic part of the novel, um, he sort of reflects and it's like, yeah, the, there's this, uh, the quote is, and I'm, and a lot of this, um, I should say is, uh, sorry for the inter- interjection. And I hope this doesn't lose my own train of thought or the listeners, but um, a really good essay is in the white review. Um, it's a review by Helen Charman on, on the novel. Um, and she sort of begins to to get at at some of this, um, but um, yeah. So Connell is sort of reflecting on his relationship with Marianne, um, and and their power dynamic, and and he he thinks um, he has never been able to reconcile himself to the idea of losing his hold over her, like a key to an empty property left available for future use. In fact, he has cultivated it he knows he has so it's a sort of um it's his reckoning with his own um participation in the imbalanced power dynamic that they have throughout the years um which only gets further and further complicated
1: yeah yeah and i i feel like i um just briefly going back to the point about uh lucas specifically i thought it was this there was a strange way in which her suggestion of um, like adding this other element into their relationship really turned this pretty like sweet dude into an abuser. And I was like, I I saw the show more recently than I read the book, but I was just like, Okay, there's like this this way that like Marianne is like almost like bringing out this abusive side of these men, and I, I was concerned about that. Um,
0: yeah, and the show it sort of represented it, sort of isn't it represented as sort of him being the one who's really into kink or whatever or.
1: Well, no, they're like about to break up. And 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 she's breaking up with him. Um, she's like talking to Connell. She's depressed. She's in this year abroad. And in their conversation at the cafe, he's like, well, is there anything I could do like to make you not break up with me? Is like there anything you desire? Right. And then the next scene, they're like engaged in this like pretty intense BDSM. Mm-hmm. And, and then yeah, he's like, tying like, her up. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And he's like telling her, like, it's not, <clears throat> it's not over yet. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> okay.
0: Um, and I, I just think, like, I don't know. I think there, there are. I read some good takes and some. I read. Well, I actually think the only good take that I read was from that White Review essay. Um, there are a lot of other, kind of not as strong. Um, takes, so-called hot takes, but not that hot, that are just like, kind of suggesting that um, you know, not everyone who's into stating the obvious of not everyone into BDSM has a history of abuse. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) For a culture culture where BDSM is seen as as sort of uh, degenerate uh, or as um, deviant or whatever, like perpetuating that stereotype is just, um, I don't know. its I, I think it's something to be discussed. I'm not gonna say it's its quote, unquote, problematic or whatever, but I think it's, it's more complicated than that. And I also, I mean, one of the things I kept thinking, I keep thinking about as a writer is how can, how are the ways that a character can be fucked up without having a horrible dysfunctional family? or without yeah. um having um experienced x and y um traumatic event in their life yeah like not everything needs like i think i think one of the problems which i think is an expectation and in, in the literature sometimes by um commercial audiences is this causal relationship of, of a to b to c of um so she was abused so she has um these fucked up relationships with men which leads her to um asking her partners to (laughs) beat her (laughs) or to like or to to degrade her yeah um which nothing and that's not to say that also when i say degrade that's not to say that i mean that in like the sense of um like, that it can't be something consensual and something pleasurable. Like, maybe degrading is your thing. Like, sometimes I like to be degraded. I like to be called, like, a s- dirty whore or whatever. Or a, like a stupid slut.
1: <laughs> Which makes me almost feel like it's a total misnomer to even describe what we see in normal people as either kink or BDSM. Because both of those things include a lot of... Consensus and like a lot of agreement and consent and pleasure, and so maybe what we're seeing is like a cycle of abuse, but I feel like that goes back to your question of like, is this uh necessary to have a carrier character like Marianne? do we need abuse yeah I
0: think I mean I don't know, maybe in like. In the sequel and normal people, the sequel where you know Marianne and Connell kind of kind of are separated. Like Marianne, maybe Marianne like finds herself and like be like joins like a BDSM house. Maybe like Marianne and maybe being, Connell like, Dom. <laughs> yes, being, like, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Connell goes to New York, gets like out of his stupid comfort zone and like learns a thing or two. <laughs> But yeah, Dom Marianne. Yes, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
0: <laughs> she goes to like a house. She's like trained by a Dom, and she has to do her like week of of like of subbery. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, the so the other book we're talking about this week, which. Uh, is related in some ways in content to normal people is Sweet Days of Discipline, which is by Fleur Yegi and was originally written in Italian, has been translated into English. Roberto and I were both reading um, the New Directions Press translation by Tim Parks um, It originally came out in 1989 um but is also a book that deals in this kind of like heightened social pressure of high school um in this case it's a it's a boarding school in switzerland yeah um yeah and it kind of also focuses on this like really heightened tension in friendships that borders on sexual tension um but is also just like very much about youth and longing and not having control over your your circumstances and it kind of led me to wonder like what what about this present moment when when so many of us are in lockdown and are social distancing like what what is kind of like regressing us back to this almost like Mm -hmm. high school mentality of being separated from our loved ones being kind of like longing and um and also having like these like breakdowns in communication um so i feel like they do share some some kind of content but they also like tend to really different concerns and have like pretty different styles of of observation and writing. And I feel like something I love about Sweet Days of Discipline is just how like obsessive and odd it is in its observational voice. And it's just kind of like much more journalistic, much more dear diary. Um, it's also in first person but it's kind of like uh, just like a little more twisted in in a specific way that I think like a young woman can be twisted and and be like really taking in the information of her surroundings
0: right and it's also I mean the character who is sort of only she only names herself as x because her mom I don't know what is it it's like miss x or something she gets letters from her mom who lives in brazil delivered to her at the school and they're like addressed to miss x but um yeah so she's also writing it um the characters writing it from like a future period so she's kind of looking back uh um at her girlhood memories in the boarding school um which is so interesting because it's it does such a good she does such a good job of. Um, even so, this character is looking back, but it's still so—it's so capturing the obsessiveness that she has with this sort of the figure of her obsession, which is this girl named Frederique, who is who described it as this sort of brilliant and beautiful and elegant, and but also cold and distant. And so, and this character is her only friend. The narr- the narrator—is the only girl at the boarding school who gets close to her um and um I think there are so many things that are interesting about this book, um sort of its use of time um It's not like a scene heavy book it's this book that is sort of in an iterative iterative time where it's like we would do this or we would um, and then it moves between that sort of um, description of daily life in a boarding school, which makes so much sense because it, it's it's a sort of place where of monotony and of, um, I mean, the girls are sort of described as, um, as having a senile childhood or like approach, there's the line of protracted almost human sanity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and the ways that death like um, comes up over and over again um, as a sort of marker of their lives.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like it does a really good job of tending to this kind of like micro scale of description of clothing, of like seasons passing, of their bedrooms at this boarding school, but also of this kind of like larger, almost lifelong context of people coming into each other's lives and then departing and living other lives. And, and being set in this kind of like post-war icy Switzerland um, Mm -hmm. and this also kind of like forbidden love or touch between people Um, it's it's very controlled but it has a surprising amount of kind of like off-kilter Voice in that very controlled space. Um, Yeah, I really like. There's a there's a paragraph early on about um, her obsession with Frederic, where she's describing um, kind of like how precious Frederic's company is, and and said and is comparing herself. Also, there's like a lot of self comparison. Um, She says. Uh, I didn't read. I looked at myself in the mirror, brushed my hair, a hundred brush strokes. I pretended to love nature. Frederique, I'd noticed, did not look at herself in the mirror. How enthusiastically I talked to her about trees, mountains, silence, and literature. Life was dragging on a bit for me. It's like this, like, it's hilarious it's actually so funny
0: um but it's right because then so i think one of the i think one of the main things about the the, the book is sort of when another girl comes in this girl what's what's that girl's name oh Oh, it's um, it's, uh uh, micheline yes Micheline. Micheline (laughs) micheline comes in and micheline is like the this like rich hot new girl and she's like a party girl
1: fun (laughs) yeah she's like an aries
0: (laughs) (laughs) or maybe a leo maybe
1: a leo fleur is a leo
0: (laughs) yeah and so and um so the narrator is kind of like um i'm not gonna quote well actually i think i might have a a quote here of um what happened when micheline comes but it's um Oh yeah, so it's uh, what Micheline wanted from life was to have a good time, and wasn't that what I wanted to? But
1: at the same time,
0: at the same time, she's like guilty as fuck about the fact that she's sort of sneaking by Frederic all the time. Not that she's abandoned her, and refuses to sort of communicate the fact that you know she's like made a new friend or whatever, which um, and that she's sort of um, cutting ties with. Frederique to go hang out with the the hot new popular girl who's like daddy <laughs> is um is like uh, Micheline promises um that she's going to have this huge sort of ball for her birthday and that her daddy is going to come and he's going to dance with them all he's going to flirt with them all
1: <laughs> the daddy like the the character of daddy in this book is wow <laughs> 10 out of 10 <laughs> um yeah you you should you should all it's a quick read i feel like attention spans are low at the moment
0: you could literally read it in like an hour and a half it's yeah only it's, a few it's like i mean i don't know how long it is and and i read it i read it in january and that read it again Um, in print like in the last few days
1: tidy 101 pages
0: with large font and huge margins
1: (laughs) truly and like it I feel like uh it taught me how to read again I'd been forgetting how to read and I needed a reminder
0: yeah it helped
1: me out a lot
0: also just like the descriptions of like the headmaster there's like (laughs) the headmistress is described as like this huge like stocky hardy, like built woman with a huge ego and personality and her husband is this sort of like cuck Yeah, (laughs) who's like the
1: (laughs) and they like describe like who does and doesn't get crushes on the students and like it's very like non-judgmental um in in some ways I feel like sweet days of discipline has like more desire on its sleeve than normal people because it's just kind of like in it
0: yeah I mean, it's really dynamic, and it's, like, such a short read, and her sentences are so interesting in the sense that they're, like, very, um, they're, they're fragmented, and there's some long with sentences, um, punctuated with these, like, short, um, with these sort of shorter sentences. It's so good. It's so Yeah, that are, like, really
1: matter-of-fact in this way that I feel like is very true to the narrative voice of, like, a, uh young teenager which is not a narrative voice i i normally gravitate towards at all but it it like it did it
0: yeah <laughs> well so, get yourself a copy you can find it on pdf on the internet which Perfect. hopefully won't ruin i hopefully i'm not ruining it and like it'll disappear (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah I'm sure um, a lot
1: of people are listening
0: (laughs) Um, we're gonna move on to our sort of closing our closing thoughts on the writing life how to stay writing during quarantine which has been fucking hard for me how's it been going
1: tell me Um, tell me what's been going on Oh God, have I, any
0: advice for our writers I was trying to write um the past couple of days um after taking a sort of holiday because I was sort of I felt so good and prolific um until the semester ended and then I sort of the I started to quarantine I, I feel like I didn't start quarantine until the semester ended and then I was like Jesus Christ like I have way too much time and not enough structure, um, which I I think I really benefit from as as an artist. Um, but I don't know; it's not been going great. Um, it just feels sort of like a chore, and I'm trying to finish up some stories. I'm um, I have a few. Thoughts about my novel, um, but I haven't really gone into it since I last worked on it a couple weeks ago. Um but I don't know, I'm trying to be forgiving of myself. <laughs> There's this really great essay by Pam Zhang and Literary Hub about how um when you're writing isn't necessarily just sitting down and, you know, doing the actual sort of writing and um and sitting at your computer and and putting words on the page, but it's you know it encapsulates like cooking and and running and reading. Um, I'm just trying to discover again what was fun about it in the first place, and also just listening to the voice of of the pieces that I'm working on, and and the that sort of what makes a a good novel or a good story. I think sometimes is that it's not the writer sort of um doing doing all the work it's some it's something else that's coming through the writer the writer as a conduit not the writer as as the as the sort of puppet master of of the of the narrative yeah how are you doing how is novella land
1: (laughs) i feel like i'm in a similar place where um like i was in a really i had a lot of momentum and i was like writing a thousand words a day and it was kind of coming pretty easily um especially earlier on in the semester and then there was like the first kind of dropping out when all, everything went online and then a very felt second dropping out when the semester ended and. I feel like it's been especially hard because I get so much from writing from observation and the novella Mm -hmm. I'm working on like includes so many like restaurant interiors and like being (laughs) which are really
0: amazing (laughs) I love them (laughs)
1: um but I like can't go out to eat and I like can't be around like just like observing people and ambient noise and so i feel like i've had to lean a lot more on memory and on dream space and almost like allow things to become more surreal and more like temporally uh
0: nebulous or nebulous or, yeah or gray
1: and yeah. i And I also am finding that that is also just happening in my life. And in my days, they kind of, like, begin and end and begin and end. And I'm, like, losing my edges a little bit. So I'm trying. We're
0: blurring. Yeah. We're disintegrating.
1: We are. um, But... uh, I think the jobs
0: still need to get done.
1: The we jobs still need still needs to, to get we can done. Keep going. We can keep going. and like I feel like I lowered my expectations for myself. That helped a lot. I'm at like I didn't write yesterday or today, but I'm trying to do like 500 words when I sit down, and you know, like it seems like we're gonna be in this mode for a while. So we're just learning how to do it now, and as we as we figure it out, we will share any and all tips with our our beloved listeners,
0: yeah, and I think that one I mean a space to sort of i mean your suggestion for sort of something to prompt your our writing was just lean into that that fantasy space and to lean into memory and um I mean I'm writing a novel that's set in a different country and um which a lot i I very rarely write like stories that are set in the U.S. or in a, in a, a quote-unquote contemporary moment um, although I am working on a short story too that that is sort of that um, and it can be fun but I, I really like to sort of put myself in other places my family is from Nicaragua so I, I tend to write a lot of the stuff there in different time periods um, and so yeah using using the imagination um challenge it's a challenge.
1: <laughs> yeah. But also
0: dreams and, and the surreal <laughs> and the bend time, like create imaginary landscapes. Like fuck it.
1: Completely. it's all we've got. What have you been drinking? What
0: I've been drinking people? a a boxed a a boxed um Pinot Grigot.
1: Oh my gosh, it's like a carton. A yeah, carton it's, a, of it's Pinot. a little carton.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, we're we're um we're zooming.
1: We're zooming, we both are living alone. Uh, Roberto will be moving soon, but I'm living alone in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. And you're That's in where Charlottesville. We're at. In Charlottesville. And we're on Zoom. Cheers. Cheers.
0: <laughs> what are you drinking?
1: Um well now I'm just drinking like melted ice water but it did have some bourbon in it before. Um I've been like keeping my house stocked with whiskey but like not a lot else. Um
0: It's such a slog to go to the grocery store.
1: I know.
0: And it's I also know. ground zero for for virus
1: I know I get particles. so nervous every time like I was like eating an avocado today and I was like oh my god I should I should have washed this avocado I'm I'm
0: fine I know I'm just like I just like pour bleach
1: <laughs> That that's drench everything
0: though. in bleach
1: yeah I'm, I'm just drinking bleach on the rock
0: right now <laughs> don't try this at home
1: <laughs> yeah next time we talk all of our clothes are just gonna be bleached <laughs> kill it but
0: yeah i'm glad i got dressed up to do to do the pod today, did you have so.
1: that shirt in undergrad
0: i did yeah my friend um one of my best friends gave it to me then but i hardly wore it you know i just like have always worn mostly black and like solid colors um but I thought I'd do something fanciful. It's fun. Add some pizzazz yeah. to our lives.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that, that concludes our first episode. We Thank hope you, you loved real. it. We hope you loved it.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Mwah.
1: Well,
0: we love you guys. We love you We'll be so back much. next week with some hot, some hot content. And some, some reading, hot literary goth.
1: Yeah, some reading wrecks. <laughs> All right. Um,
0: Bye-bye, world.
1: Now I'm going to...